0: And today, it's Personal Finance Live that we're going to be bringing to you a focus on global investment property for South Africans. And starting off, it's a warm welcome to my old friend, Magnus Heistig. Uh Magnus, just to make absolutely sure you can hear me, I hope. I can hear you. I don't
1: care. Alex, hi.
0: Good day. <laughs> good. All right. So uh, not long ago, after our last conversation, which was very polite, and we, we, all, we are always polite in our, in our discussions, um, I see there was a, a, a cartoon circulating on Twitter to say that I was a guy fiddling on the top of the Titanic <laughs> while you were telling people to take their money offshore. Well, are you still feeling that way before we get into property investments? Are you still feeling that, that South Africa is in a, a, a dire state?
1: I think we have serious problems that we need to overcome. And I'm referring to our, our, our Eskom situation and, and the fast approaching fiscal, uh, a brick wall that we're going to hit. And that still worries me. And that does have a spillover effect into all asset classes in South Africa, uh, stock markets, property markets. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying it's a Titanic, but boy, uh, things are going a bit rough. Hmm. Uh, for your South African assets.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the the way one looks at this can come from different angles. To me, when you're at a, a president of a country, the decisions that you make have a long-term impact, and that's both negative and positive, And I guess we we still got a way to go before the positive impacts of the new president's work through. But anyway, that's the way it is right now. South Africans are looking to diversify their portfolios, and uh, rationally so. Uh, internationally, though, property. Uh, uh, clearly, you've been looking for a long time at various uh, uh, global investments. You've been recommending, rightly, that your clients get their money offshore. Are you, does the class of property appeal to you? Well, you
1: know, global residential property is, of course, uh, a very attractive and an emotional type of investment. A lot of people like the fact that they have some bricks and mortar in another part of the world, whether it's in Portugal or the UK or Mauritius or whatever the case might be. So, And that's a trend worldwide. There's a great number of people who live in one country and and like, and, and also to diversify, they buy property in a second country and the wealthier you become, the more attractive that becomes, and it makes a lot of sense. So South Africans have been buying property offshore for the last 15 years, I would say, ever since exchange controls have been relaxed and people can take money offshore, and they've been buying in, uh, particularly in the UK, but also New Zealand, Australia, Portugal, Malta, and now recently also Mauritius. So yes, it's a, it's a very nice to have Sometimes not such a great investment that does surprise people when I say that, but it's a nice to have, that. Yeah,
0: you know, I, I suppose there's also that uh, that, that sense of uh, having a bit of a something concrete, bricks and mortar. You can feel it, you can see it. It's there. It's not a it's not a, uh, a dematerialised share certificate.
1: you, know, you summarise it absolutely spot on. There's a big difference between seeing that little cottage overlooking the Indian Ocean and the emotionality that comes with it, as opposed to one sheet of paper that says you've got $5 million invested all around the world, there is a difference and uh, and and people do fall for that uh, emotional aspect of property.
0: So when a client comes to you and says, I want to have a property investment outside of South Africa, how do you deal with that?
1: Well, first of all, you can ask, you can ask the question, why? Um, is it a... Just to diversify your property portfolio, or is it uh, you're buying as an investment, or are you buying it, especially in recent times, people are buying property in order to get residency and or a passport in another part of the world. So that's been a big, big driver. So you've got to ask those questions, why? Sometimes people hear things at the Bry or the local golf club that they must buy flats in Berlin or condos in in Portugal. I actually don't know why they're buying because they're just buying because everybody else is buying. So you need to answer that question for yourself. Why am I buying something? Is it just because you've got surplus cash and you like to spend some time overseas? Perhaps uh, a country where you you or your forefathers came from and you understand the language and the culture. There's a lot of reasons, Alec. It's it's, it's quite amazing how uh, but lately a lot of people are saying, Allowing me to buy a residency in another part of the world.
0: Mm. Uh, we've had a few questions in our uh, business interactive channel. We've got a, a special channel there, Mahneth, uh, just for the the premium uh, the premium guys on business, so they can ask the questions as we're going along. And there was one. I don't know how close you are to it. Um, a company called Capco. Do you remember Donnie Gordon had Liberty International, and then part of it. But,
1: Quite correct. It's quite correct. They had property in London and Mm. and, and places like that, capital and counties. Capital
0: and counties. And 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 now they've got Covent Garden, which is a spectacular area, and Earl's Court, not so spectacular. But I did a bit of numbers before, and this was a question from Sidia, a a, a little bit of a a few numbers before we came on the on the program, and the uh, Brexit and uh, the decline in the property values. And the values of property companies in the U.K. has seen this company trade on the JSE on a market cap of about 30 billion rand, but their property values, and they're going to be splitting out the two companies, is 56 billion, so almost double. So given your your feel for for international investments, is this a kind of stock that might be a good long-term investment?
1: Oh, absolutely! I think you commented uh, a while ago on this particular stock, and I had a look at it. That, that of course, is a is a, is a listed property stock, which uh, I think that, depending on how Brexit goes, you could be buying very good quality uh, international properties in in London at a very very good price. You know, I'm watching the Brexit situation very carefully, but I think markets tend to overreact, either up or down, especially with the pound at like 27 month lows, it might be just a fantastic opportunity to buy very cheap UK assets like uh, Covent Garden's in the next three months or so. So yeah, I like mm-hmm. that.
0: It, it's, it's interesting because if you if you were offered a property in Covent Garden today at half price, I'm sure you'd jump at it. But because yeah, it's, list- yeah, it's listed... Because your it, comments, mm-hmm.
1: I've, been, I've been looking at that and, and yes, I'm, I'm I'm keeping my powder dry and uh, might might be looking at something like that, Alex.
0: Yeah, and especially if you can buy it in uh, on the JSE, so you don't really have to waste any precious hard, hard currency.
1: Correct, quite correct, quite correct. These things do go in cycles, big cycles, and normally most people get it get it wrong and buy too late. I mean, a classic example was four years ago when Kumba was at 25 rand a share, and now it's paying a dividend of more than. 25 rand a share. Those are the big cycles that makes long-term investors quite a lot of money.
0: And from a long-term perspective, given that long-term South Africa surely has to get better, uh, are you still um, a proponent of investing into the offshore arena?
1: I need to see signs that South Africa uh, is turning the corner. And that's basically part of my day job, I look at these indicators from a variety of of places, and I I still don't see it. And uh, until that happens, and I'll be the first to say it, the cycle turns, I will say, SA Inc. is cheap, start buying, but I still don't see it. Uh, So at this moment, it's either sitting on cash or diversifying offshore. If you look at what's happening in Mauritius, for instance, um, you know, Mauritius has become very attractive to South Africans. Get residency for five hundred thousand dollars, and or now you can even just lease a property to get uh, residency. And it's against the um, what's happening in the United States, where the EB five Golden Visa program have just increased the price substantially to nine hundred thousand dollars. So Mauritius has become very cheap in order to get your residency and or passport. So. But there's places like Cyprus, very attractive. You've got Portugal and Spain still the places to go to. But at the end, people look at price and practicality of buying second second uh, uh, properties or, or, or residencies.
0: They, they also look at the weather. And, <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to pose this question to you. It's from Neil MacNelly, who says... He understands that there's a large number of Brits who are emigrating from the UK over Brexit fears. Is this so, and has it impacted property prices?
1: You know, I'm not an expert on, 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 on I've read articles on, you know, the international website that, number but we're talking about thousands rather than tens of thousands, that they've been buying property in France and, and Spain and Portugal. And these things tend to grab the headlines, but I don't think it's such a major impact. I think other issues are impacting the British property property prices. Uh, but talking about the weather, one of my, my clients went and bought property in Scotland because he loves the
2: winters in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <he's, laughs>
0: we have a colleague, Jackie Cameron, who lives in Scotland. And we talk every day on our news conference, and he tells us that the weather there is balmy when it gets to 22 degrees. So this client of yours must have a a a love for very cold weather.
1: Indeed, he has. I you know I said to him, why don't you buy in the sunny parts? He says he hates the sun. He he, he doesn't like going into the sun. Doesn't play golf because he's got a sensitive skin. So he loves Scotland. So he's bought himself a place in Edinburgh, and he's... Can't
0: wait to go when next winter. <laughs> Amazing. I, I guess different strikes for different folks yes. as well.
1: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed.
0: Marcus, you did mention Mauritius. We're going to be talking in a little while about the United States and, and then Portugal with, with other guests on the show. But what about the Mauritian property market? Are South Africans starting to go there and is it easy enough to make an investment there?
1: Well, they've been doing this for the last couple of years ever since uh, Mauritius opened up to foreign investors and this is only a 10-12 year thing, so the, the early guys who bought in Mauritius have done exceedingly well and, and like all markets, they've attracted a lot of developers. So, there's some great developments in Mauritius and there are some not so great developments in Mauritius. One needs to be careful where you buy and one must also wear of out the outrageous claims sometimes made by promoters and developers that you're going to make such a huge amount of money. I have bought myself, and the returns in grand terms have been fantastic. In dollar terms, they've been fair. They've been like 5 6% per year, and that's what you should be aiming for. Mm-hmm. But Mauritius is becoming attractive for a lot of New Africans because it's very close. They speak landing English, driving the left-hand side of the road, and you kind of, I there's a large South African community as well. I and mean, then lastly, uh, the uh, structuring that it offers certain types of companies is also very attractive. So we, the South African community in Mauritius, I, I am predicting the growth about 10, maybe 15,000 over the next five to 10 years. So there's a very big expat or South African community on the island.
0: And how big is it now? Very good to say,
1: I've been asking that question. I would say it's about three to 4,000. Other people say it's more. But I've kind of just asked one or two of the government officials that I've met, there. I reckon there's about three to 4,000 South Africans who permanently live on the island, mostly uh, Grand Bay or Black River area. They tend to congregate in the Black River area. Hmm. So we tend to have our rise on rugby days and so on in, in the middle of Mauritius. But uh, I would say 4,000 is a good number.
0: It's interesting that, isn't it, that South Africans, I guess it's like any tribe from anywhere in the world, they, they congregate. I know in the UK it's that southwest slice out of London, uh, Putney, Wimbledon, Isha, Hersham, Weybridge, Woking, all along that one line. And I guess what you've said now about Mauritius is the same as well. So not only does one have to be cautious about the investment that, or the, the, the area that you or the property, the project you're going into, but also the area that you've decided to go to, because we do tend to stick together.
1: It's, it's just human nature. People form these WhatsApp groups or, or, or Internet groups, and they tend to take advice from somebody who's already there. And then somebody says, look, I'm already in Black River. It's a nice place. Come and let me show you. And then you're in a bind because your friend is around the corner. So that's, that's the same with the, the Brits on the island and the and the French on the island. They tend to... You know, form form little groupings. It's just human nature.
0: Mm. Mark, just to close off with? What percentage of one's uh, asset base should be invested offshore? A and B. How much in property?
1: You know, uh, that's one of the most difficult questions in the investment world today. You know, if it's if, if, if it's long term capital growth, I would say about seventy percent should be offshore. Property, hard to say. I mean, depends on what your portfolio is. But if you already have enough property 10, uh, let's say you've got one or two seed properties in South Africa, it makes sense to consider Mauritius or any other part of the world that you're familiar with to broaden your property portfolio and secondly, to diversify out of South Africa because unfortunately, the property market has been under a lot of pressure and whereas you've made fairly good money by buying somewhere else. And it might turn around, but you know, until it does, you know, wealthy people are buying property. They like it, knowing there's a
0: little cottage on the beach where I can run to if I need to. Martin Haystack is uh, the chairman and founder of Brenthurst Wealth, giving us his views on um, investing in property globally. We've got lots more coming up in the next 15 minutes. We're going to be talking to Justin Clark from Orbvest about. Their latest investment, that's in the United States, and then at uh, half of the hour at 12:30, it's the turn of Johnny Robbie, and uh, he's moved out of Cape Town, where he's developed the whole century city to 250 hectares, and they are now doing their first international investment as well. International project we'll be talking about that. And why? And, and how are people reacting to it?? <laughs> Isn't that a fantastic song? It's where I come from. I come from the uh, what they call the battlefields of KwaZulu-Natal. Uh, you wouldn't think so if you drive through Newcastle. But it's an amazing place to grow up because you can get to all of those historic areas, including Juan, uh, where the British Army had its greatest military defeat ever by the Uh, Zulu in peace. Extraordinary place when you go there on the 22nd of January, which is uh, uh, the anniversary of the battle that took place in 1879. You can just feel it's it's eerie. It's uh, it's like the spirits still walk around there. We're not talking about the spirits. We're talking about property today and particularly investing in property in the international arena. And Justin Clark is one of the partners at OrbVest. Now, those of you who have been following BizNews over the last recent time will notice that we have been giving a bit of attention to OrbVest for very good reasons. It's a group of entrepreneurs who got together, had their own money, decided they wanted to invest offshore, started uh, in the area that they understood in the United States, and now they're on to, well, project number 23. But I don't want to steal too much of Justin's um, thunder uh, Justin from, from, from the information you sent me in preparation for this discussion you said that last month uh, w- and we spoke about this last month with your colleagues you closed off your uh, what is called Glenridge Medical 22 what exactly was that and, and why did you close it off
3: yes Alec uh, thanks for having me on this afternoon it's, uh, it's great chatting to you and your, and your audience and um, yeah, you know I think that uh, you know we have noticed in the beginning, remember that we did start five years ago. Uh, it took us a long time to close off these investments. It was difficult to establish trust with new investors. and I think that we're getting to that tipping point now where we are listing a, a, a project, and then the project actually closes within a very short period of time. So we have a regular following of investors that reinvest, and of course, the word is now starting to spread. So the short story is, uh, Med 22 was a huge success. We actually listed it yesterday. What that means is that the investors all moved their money, and uh, and then we were able to list the property on the uh, exchange, and then and, and then the money would then flow through to the uh, to the actual company that does the transaction in the US. So yes, it's happening at at, at a fantastic speed at the
0: moment, Alec. And just unpack for those who perhaps didn't follow this story uh, in the past, what exactly do you focus on in the United States?
3: So, yeah, you know, I guess uh, you touched on it earlier on, I think the problem that we were trying to solve is where do you invest in something that is tangible and that is recession resistant. And uh, you know, I think our biggest concern is, yes, you can go and invest offshore in a fund, but you don't necessarily know what's happening behind the skirt. So, what we discovered, and I do admit that we do have a property focus, and my background is very much in property, Alec, as are some of my colleagues, but, you know, we first of all looked at where in the world, what is the default currency, and we decided that the U.S. The U.S. economy is still pumping, and it's an economy that we understand. Then we looked at what category to invest in, and uh, you know, I think that uh, there are a number of different opportunities in the States. We know that some of them are under pressure, like retail real estate. Um but uh this medical thing, we have some IP. My um, my partner, uh Henny Bezade knows, has been doing it in South Africa many years, as you mentioned, and um it is very recession resistant. So we decided to 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 get a hyper focus on this particular category. So what it means is that we go and we find these buildings in the USA in states and cities that are growing phenomenally, that have a diversified economy, they're not reliant on any one particular thing like oil, and then we identify partners on the in, on the ground, and we acquire the building, we take out a, uh, a, a loan, we, t- we get some leveraging, and then we uh, raise money from investors around the world to take up the equity portion. A typical building would, would be, let's say, $10 million, we would have a three to $4 million equity investment, and, um, and the rest would be uh, leveraged from a financial institution. That's basically how it works, uh, Alex.
0: So, Glenridge Medical 22 means that you've done 22 of these projects. There's 22
3: individual buildings, yes. Um, a few of them have been lumped together into portfolios.
0: And now you're opening, so that's, that's closed. Uh, you've got all the investments you need on that side. Now you're opening number 23.
3: Yeah, so as I, as I started off by saying that we are accelerating, 23 is a small building. It's an absolute plumb. Um, to give you a little idea, um, Alec, this one is is a, moving out of our traditional area and, and into the Newark, New Jersey um, metro area, which is just outside New York, obviously. So, um, you know, I think diversification is another thing that's super important. We didn't want to have uh, too much risk in one particular area. It is a small building. It is 100% tenanted by a pretty much blue chip tenant, which is uh, the um, the Hackensack Meridian Group, which is a massive hospital group. I think it's the biggest hospital group dominant in the tri-state area, and they have a long-term lease. So it is uh, absolutely safe, and that you just have to uh, you have to wait for your dividend to be paid every quarter because the rental will be paid. It is a, a substantial tenant. And um, and then of course at the end of the five year period we will sell on this building, and uh, the investor gets the opportunity of participating in the uh, in the capital gain.
0: Okay, so So how how long is the long? You say long term lease. How long is a long term lease by those standards?
3: They have a new ten year lease which I just signed, and uh, and that's renewable for for a further ten years.
0: That's a 10-year lease by a blue-chip hospital company in a medical building. Have they taken the whole building that that you're acquiring? Yeah,
3: it's in fact a condo building. So there's two uh, components to the building. And uh, there are some other small tenants, but you find that in medical, there's a wonderful symbiosis. Uh, You know, the uh, tenants, if you you have a substantial anchor tenant, like in a retail um, um, establishment, then the other tenants want to come. So in this particular building, there is a small uh, ophthalmology or optometry uh, business that runs some of the building.
0: You know, we, we have covered a lot of the advantages of investing in this kind of a, um, a, a property investment. But how have South Africans taken to it, Justin? I know clearly you and Henny and Martin and the, the entrepreneurs who started it are, are boots and all in here. But what about other South Africans? Are they are they warming to the idea of investing in medical properties in the U.S.?
3: Alec, yeah. I, I, you know, I think that you know, this, build, this business is predominantly being for South Africans. You know We love the idea of helping South Africans to diversify their risk out of South Africa, and, um, and we have a substantial amount of South Africans. I think that uh, um, you know, it's a, it, we are in the front of a wave. Uh, people are very, you know very, very urgently looking for alternate opportunities offshore in solid currencies so so yes there is a, a phenomenal response from uh, the South African market at the moment
0: and how difficult or easy is it to actually make the investment i see that you talk about a minimum amount of $5000 which is in pretty much everybody's scope but but how do you get that money invested into these Orbvest, or in this particular instance, the new one that you've just opened, the, the Meridian Medical Number Twenty Three?
3: No, that's a great question. You know, when, when I went over in 2012 to look at real estate in the U.S. for the first time, I eventually didn't make the investment. And at that stage, you could buy, a, you know, a single residential house for, uh, you know, a, a, a ten, twenty thousand dollars. It was, it was, uh, you know, just after the the global financial crisis and um, and and so one of the problems that that my colleagues have solved phenomenally well is to make this really easy and really tax efficient so uh, it we can process it on an online platform where you can go online and you can actually um, invest your your uh, as, as little as five thousand dollars and then we take care of the rest we've made it super easy for an investor to be able to participate you don't have to worry about the structures, previously, you would have to set up a company or an LLC overseas. Um, you don't have to do that. You can invest from South Africa in your personal capacity, and we've made it so that it is super easy
0: to do that. And then what kind of returns have the guys in projects number one to 22 been achieving?
3: So we initially had um, you know, expectations that we would need to be able to provide eight um, uh, percent plus cash on cash. And that means that uh, every quarter you would get roughly 2% paid back into your, what we call a wallet. And, um, and 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 we've been maintaining that over the last five years, Alec. But if we go for these super safe buildings, there is a lot of competition in the market, as you can probably understand. Uh, america's is a uh, wash with capital at the moment. So we're finding it harder and harder to find these buildings. Now, what is interesting is this uh, Meridian, uh, the New Jersey property, which we've just listed at. Was slightly lower than that. It's 7.7% cash on cash. And we thought there might be a, a, a resistance because it was below eight. And as I say, it has been pretty much uh, fully subscribed in the, uh, in the six or seven days that we've had it live.
0: Fully subscribed. How much money were, were you, Oh, how, how much investable stock was there?
3: So this one, remember, is particularly small. It was only $2 million of, of, um, of equity available. So we did expect it to go very fast. And there is a small opportunity because although it is fully subscribed, we have to wait for people to actually move their money. If it's a South African, they have to go via their bank. Sometimes it's a reserve bank application. So there is a delay and it's very much a first come first serve uh, situation. So, yeah, there is still still a small opportunity.
0: Two million dollars of equity. That doesn't sound like a very big building. Have you leveraged it? Have you borrowed to, to support that?
3: Oh yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, this building I think was in the region of uh, sort of eight million investment. Uh, total investment I think was about that. And um, and remember that we always get the sponsor. Somebody in the US has to sign for the debt, so we have a sponsor um, or a, a general partner if you're talking uh, VC, and um, who take up. Uh, a, a, obviously, sign for the jet and we require them to have skin in the game. So, um, in this case, the the, uh, the general partner or the sponsor has put in uh, his own equity to uh, to make up the uh, the
0: difference. So how much has, uh, how much equity have your South African investors got, and the sponsor? In other words, how much skin in the game does <laughs> do they retain?
3: So the South African investors have uh, put in the um, the two point one odd million, and then the uh, the uh, the the, the sponsors put in about one point eight.
0: Okay, okay. So so they do definitely have skin in the game. And you say that's pretty close. So when is number Where is number twenty four? Given that you guys have got big ambitions, you want to get to a million dollar.
3: We're certainly putting some pressure on the acquisitions team to, uh, to, 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 find some, uh, some really good properties. But I'm pleased to say, Alec, that we have, you know, we've got a, a bunch of them. The, the difficulty really is getting the timing right. We like to release one, close it, and then move on to the next one. But, uh, yeah, there are, there are three uh, very exciting opportunities, uh, one that will come on, uh, in mid-August and, um, and, and, and one actually there'll probably be two mid-August. That ready
0: to go. So, if I remember correctly, Martin Freeman, your partner, actually lives in the US now, lives in New York, and manages the on the ground engagement negotiations, et cetera, for your, for your group. Yes. So he's.
3: Yes, Martin. Absolutely. Yeah. Martin and his team, I suppose you would normally be talking to Martin today, but he is over in Israel. We have a, a, a big project which is open to institutional investors. And uh, they have a lot of interest from a couple of um, Israeli investors. So him, Henny, and uh, Machil, um, our acquisitions guy, are, are over in Israel at the moment.
0: That's an amazing story, Justin. It's almost like, uh, you know, when I was a, a young journalist, I remember people telling me, the old-timers telling me, that they they gave Anton Rupert money when he first started Rembrandt, or other people saying they put money with Donald Gordon when he started Liberty. Do you think there's going to be something like that? One day people are going to turn around and say, I put money into Orbvest when they were still $200 million uh, in the U.S.?
3: Well, I'd love that to be the case. I think that we have a slightly more humble approach. I mean, we do want to build a, a billion-dollar fund, um, and and I think Martin did describe that to you when you interviewed him the last time, Alex. Um, but, uh, no, absolutely. I, you know, I think that's... If we carry on doing what we're doing at the moment, we are obviously opening up pipes to other countries. I think that's very important. We don't want to be completely reliant on South Africa. And something that we've learned that's super interesting is that uh, you know we're not alone. You know, if you think about um, a lot of the countries in South America, and we're getting investment now from Brazil, for example. You know, they have all the same challenges that we have, and they they need to look for secure places to put their money offshore, just to make sure that they they have diversified their risk. So, uh, yeah, uh, listen, I, 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 certainly, I, I certainly hope that we can, uh, we can create liberty, but we're aiming a little bit smaller than that.
0: Uh. Yeah. Well, it's uh, very good chatting with Justin Clark, and you can be sure we're going to be following the story of Orbvest very closely. Interesting that they've now gone into uh, Israel as well for institutional investors. Just, just by way of background, uh, Henny Perzade notes, very well known in the South African property sector. He's done exactly this, exactly what they're doing now in the U.S., find Uh, found property investment specialized in the medical field so he if you like comes with with all of those insights and then martin freeman who lives in new york who's the chief executive of all this and he's the guy who as justin said we'd ordinarily talk to Uh, he is now in israel at the moment putting together something there Uh, he is the man who started a very well-known company in South Africa called Bayport, which is part of Transaction Capital. So these are successful entrepreneurs. Justin himself started Private Property, which I think many people will recognise as well. Uh, well, now we're going to be talking to another big name in property in South Africa, another person who's looking internationally, and his name's Johnny Robbie. Uh, stay with us; we'll be with him in the next few minutes. But first, here's a bit of Steve Winwood. And it's a rather appropriate song if you think of what we've just been talking about. Steve Winwood, when you see a chance, take it. And I think that's pretty much what we're talking about today, South Africans investing globally. Johnny Robbie joins us now. Johnny, you saw a chance in uh, Century City, 250 hectares. I remember last time we spoke in April. In fact, I was still in the UK at the time. You were saying that of the 1.4 million square meters in bulk, you'd already uh, managed to develop a million square meters. So you still got you still got quite a chunk to go at Century City.
4: Yes, uh, hi Alec. I hope you're well. Um, Yes, we we acquired Century City um, in 2004 uh, from uh, Nedbank at the time, and uh, and over the period uh, since then we've uh, developed up to one million square meters of bulk. Um, across all sectors. Uh, that includes uh, retail, commercial, residential, et cetera, et cetera. So we're continually doing it on an annualized basis and keep on moving through it. And uh, we're very optimistic about since It's been absolutely, absolutely, uh, uh, quite simply put, it's been an outstanding project.
0: So why are you now looking offshore?
4: Okay, so... You know the offshore situation. I was actually uh, uh, contacted by GMG Capital, a Geneva Management uh, Group, or GMG as they call it, uh, who are based out of Geneva. They look after um, uh, some uh, asset managers, and they had an opportunity uh, in 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 Lisbon, Portugal, and uh, they asked me if I would be interested in partnering up with them. And uh, you know, it really wasn't on my horizon. Uh, certainly, we do and have, have looked across the uh, you know where there are uh, destinations that we feel offer value, um, and uh, I was then met the uh, met the Gmg guys there in Lisbon at the end of last year, and and I must be quite honestly, I've, I actually really got a very very good feeling, almost like if you were, <laughs> fell in love with with Portugal or certainly with Lisbon, and and also there were reasons for that because uh, the similarities between the way they operate in Portugal and the way we operate are very similar. And having a very strong partner on the financial side, they uh, manage a substantial amount of money, uh, made me feel comfortable, and, and they were looking for a partner that can actually do the work. You know, you could conceptualize it, uh, put it together, construction management or project management, sell it, and everything that we do in the development function. And um, so, therefore... Uh, that's really what attracted me and uh, that's when it all started. So it's, it's been a, a wonderful journey um, and uh, we're ongoing with it and many exciting things to follow. Just for
0: South Africans to get a, a feel of this, obviously it's much smaller than Century City, but is it modeled like you do at Century City as well with a bit of, a bit of flats and a bit of retail and perhaps some commercial space in one building?
4: Well, I mean, I think the concept across all our projects um, in South Africa is uh, we call it new urbanism, which is a a, a combination of work, live, and play. So you're bringing together all those uses. And and I think that to a large extent um, is is what we are doing in in, in Portugal, in Lisbon. Um, So we do have. This particular building is 151 apartments and uh, 2000 square meters of retail. So you have your coffee shops, your localized retail at the bottom, and then the apartments climb up and within the apartments are the spas, the gyms, the uh, swimming pools. So, um, we are also, which, which, which really what interested me dramatically about Lisbon were, was the position of the site. It's in an, Absolutely prime, prime spot in Lisbon, uh, in a suburb, uh, or a CBD district called Amoreas, um, which sits right on all the transportational routes and, um, very accessible. And it's a prime site. And, and that's really uh, what got us so excited. Uh, and as the time has gone by, um, you know, we've got more and more optimistic about, uh, Lisbon and certainly about Portugal. Yeah.
0: Now you, you, Presumably, you have been approached a number of times by people wanting to do deals with you internationally. I mean, being based in Cape Town, you get a stream of global visitors, uh, tourists all the time. Why did you decide to do this one at this time in your
4: life? You know, good question. I think, you know, it was difficult to find around the world... um, Opportunities where we felt comfortable from a developmental perspective that there would be, a, uh, that we could do something similar to what we had done in South Africa. So, um, this one offered the closest that i had seen. Um, and also at the same time offered a value uh, proposition where not only were we um, producing a, a, a residential accommodation, but we were also offering a return uh, on a guaranteed return basis for a period of two years. So we we started to uh, get into the more the investment aspect of of the uh, of the of the project and remembering and what really excited us about Portugal is that you borrow at one and a half two percent from the from the banks that's what the current interest rate and you're earning six seven percent on completion so automatically you, you are in a positive situation from day one and also what for us was important is we have looked at many many developments uh, across as i say across the uh, the globe and also uh, you know other investments, but this is a development in a prime part uh, of lisbon it 's there you can go knock on the door it's yours, you own it um, and and we felt comfortable with that uh, talking to our investment base um, and and it was obviously very successful talk you know from our launches in Lisbon and then, of course, uh, our launches that we had in, in, in South Africa.
0: Johnny, we spoke a little earlier to Magnus Heistek, and he was explaining about these golden visas uh, that you can get via Mauritius, Cyprus, uh, in the United States as well now, where you have to invest 900,000. I think it's just gone up, the, the EB visa, as they call it. There is something similar in, in Portugal. Does that come into the calculations here with this development? <laughs>
4: Um, Alec, we, 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 looked at this, um, development from a, uh, uh, not from a golden visa perspective. We said we're now developing in Lisbon. We are, uh, looking at upon from the traditional property, uh, uh, issues of where it is and, and what we can sell for, et etc. et cetera. But together with that, yes, there are opportunities in terms of the Golden Visa Program, which is a Portuguese program for residency, a e, uh, Portuguese passport, or EU as they call it, where um, there is an investment of 500,000 euros, and um, that kick-starts a pro- five-year process to uh, qualify for, for your Portuguese passport. Um, and uh, but that wasn't the, the, the main reason why we went to Portugal to develop property. We, we looked at it as a development in Lisbon that can offer value, position, and offer something that we knew we could sell globally. And that's, in fact, what we've done. We've catered for, uh, for buyers right across, uh, across many countries, including South Africa. who we saw it um, because of our brands here yeah, and, 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 and people who know us. Um, who felt comfortable, and we also saw that not only just buying an apartment, but there was a guarantee of return for the first two years. And knowing that we have been around for a long time, 40 years plus minus, and we were we would be able to deliver it. We, you know, a lot of the properties that come uh, that are offered are offered through the estate agencies, um, and, uh, and that's a big difference to somebody like ourselves who who going out there and doing the work. Uh, with very uh, a strong combination of partners um, and, and that 's really what drove us
0: so the, the investment then uh, you, you did say earlier that you can borrow money, so where do you start? Where does the, how much do you need to put in to become to participate in this uh, in this project' called alex living that 's right living
4: that's correct i 'm going to pass you on to my financial director, uh, Malcolm Lobbins, a qualified CA, and he'll be able to answer that in more detail for you, Alec.
0: Great. Malcolm, I don't know if you heard, the, que- the, you heard the question, but it's it's did. just... Oh, you did. Okay, so answer, sir.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Alec. Yes, I think the um, the short answer is that we've, we're we in a position where the banks are happy to, to grant loans to South Africans up to 75% of, of purchase price. At the rate that Johnny mentioned, one and a half, two percent. So our entry price, when we went to market in the beginning of May, our entry prices were just just below three hundred thousand euro. So if you take twenty five percent of that, call it seventy five thousand euros times sixteen, that's the sort of entry level. We've obviously made some great progress, uh, and today we, you know, for an an average unit is around about the five to six hundred thousand euro mark. So your entry level is, give or take, 25% of that, 150,000 euro, call it um, at at, one, at 16, 16 rand to the euro. That's the entry level that we're talking about, Alex.
0: So it's around 2 million, just over 2 million rand. Am I calculating correctly? You're
2: calculating correctly, so our clients are a mix of folks who've got money offshore and others who are looking to take money offshore for the first time. as you know, there's the discretionary allowance of one million rands per annum, and then there's the um, annual allowance investment allowance of ten million so well within those limits offers the opportunity for people to have an offshore investment and and if they see you know if they, if they wish to to look at the uh, the um, benefits of the visa.
0: Okay, while we've got you, uh, what are the returns that are being projected? I don't know if you, you even can project returns. Or uh, Again, earlier we were talking to OrbVest. They've got a, a, a 10-year lease with a client, so they can pretty accurately project what returns are coming there from the U.S. building. What are the returns here on, on Alex Living?
2: Our, our um, departure point is that the, the – the the, uh, income that we're looking to offer our clients where we, for the first two years, guaranteeing the 4% on the gross purchase price. So if you spend 500,000 euro, you've got a gross annual return of 20,000 euros on the 500. But if you take the leveraged return, in other words, assuming a 25% investment and a 75% loan, you're ending up with returns of north of 10%. And after your on costs of, of rates and taxes and levies, north of 8%. So we're looking at an income return on investment, a leverage return of, certainly for the first two years, and we would expect that to improve as we go forward, of around 8%. And that, that excludes the capital growth on the underlying apartment, and of course the currency hedge. We would be, I think we, I'm sure you'd agree, we'd be, doing the wrong thing to start to predict where that's going. Um, or other than, you know, the, what really interested us about Portugal and Lisbon specifically is that in a recent survey, uh, Coopers identified Lisbon as the number one destination for residential investment I- in all European cities. So it's coming off of a base which is growing strongly, Uh mainly nurtured by the macro tax environment that applies to Portugal, including uh, wonderful allowances for high net worth people investing in that country, 10 year tax holiday on foreign income in terms of this um, non-resident habitual program. Um, So there are a whole lot of underpinning um, um, factors, which we believe are going to bring about substantial growth in capital asset. But we, we're certainly not going to want to make predictions on that on that base. Hmm.
0: Okay, would you hand me back to Johnny? Because it, it does look like it's an 8% number that we heard from Orbvest earlier on. Magnus didn't give us any numbers, but I'm sure he would agree with that as well. 8% here, around about there. But Johnny, what's the reaction been like? Because when we spoke in April, you were about to have a roadshow, talking to people in Johannesburg and in Cape Town. Have people, have South Africans come to the party? Have they, have they been investing
4: in in uh, this project? Um, you know, I think, you know, one's got to go back a few steps that we've basically, throughout, um, certainly since the early 90s, uh, we become, uh, and not only ourselves, but others who live in this uh, and develop here, become a very astute at pre-selling. In other words, selling off the plan, because that's the way we raise capital here and banks require certain pre-sale requirements. So, therefore, um, at our launches uh, in Cape Town, we had an incredible response. So, we had 700 people come to that launch to hear what we had to say, and Johannesburg, three, four hundred and um and and the professionalism of what we put out there uh, in terms of the detail and in terms of what they can what they're buying the size the the specification et cetera is is all out there It's all on our web pages at Alex living um, and it can be seen there um, The response was enormous, and we have sold uh, to a large amount of South Africans together, obviously, as I say, I would say if you ask me, of the 120 sales of uh, which have been concluded out of the 150 that are available, I would say you're probably looking at 50% South African and, and 50% from around the world. Uh, specifically, the French um, and, and uh, the um, English uh, are, are big markets, but most importantly, the Brazilians, because of the Connection of the Portuguese between Brazil and Portugal are substantial markets for us to to go into, and we've had a, a, a real response from uh, from those countries. Uh, and then dotted around, you know, the Middle East, um, uh, lots of inquiries coming and in of people that want to invest in Portugal. Portugal um, is a is a good story. You know, they have been remarkable since two twelve, two eleven, two twelve, in in how they built up. Uh, the, the economy is uh, stable. Uh, they put an enormous amount of money into infrastructure. Their road networks are world first, world world class, and it's a beautiful spot. Uh, and um, we, that that is all I think that's driven. I don't think we had to uh, tell South Africans or, or, or wherever you came from around the globe about Portugal. Portugal sells itself. Um, you only got to look at the tourism and, and what's going on, and the amount of people that are pouring in there. Um, so that's really uh, was the kind of response we, we we have, and we're ongoing now that we're starting to build uh, shortly, um, and uh, we'll be up and running uh, in the ground in the next two three weeks uh, with the basements, and um, and then of course two, end of two twenty one. Last, of 221 will be complete, and now we're looking at further opportunity to expand our footprint uh, in 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 Portugal.
0: Well, I'm not surprised. 120 out of 150 units sold, half of them, only half of them to South Africans, and the, the demand from South Africans must be significant. So it's it's. Uh, is this the kind of response you expected,
4: um, Alec? Uh, you know, not really, because. You know, people from around the world uh, view, when they buy, when, when uh, they acquire property off the plan, you need to really have a, a good story, and you need to have very uh, a, a partners or players or developers promoters that have some have very good track records because you get checked out. You know, they want you to know exactly who they're investing with. The South African response is ongoing, um, and uh, we we you know. Have, I'm very appreciative of that. And, uh, you know, we just will keep going and keep delivering quality products of, of the highest standard and service to, to our buyers. Um, and, uh, you know, we're watching it carefully. And, but as I say, and as Malcolm has, uh, has alluded to, uh, through all the research of um, whether it be JLL, you know, Jones, uh, Labelle Sang, Lang, I should say, and, and of course, um, the other uh, passport Waterhouse Coopers and, and the, the research that has been done has really proved to us that Portugal is really where we want it to be. It's, it's a, a, a highly regulated society uh, and, the, and the, the, the way of developing is regulated. It doesn't happen overnight. So you've got to, you really got to know what you're doing. But we're very optimistic, you know, remembering that it sits right in the heart of Europe it's close to everywhere um it's uh, it's it's 2 hours to london it's it's 6 hours to boston you're right in the you know in the epicenter of mm. a, as a location um it, it it's you know you on the, the the you can get onto the the train and you can be in paris in in 5 hours i mean so uh this appeals to a lot of people and um again uh, i think it has and most importantly 300 days of sunshine out of a year it's got a great climate, um, and uh, it's a it is really a city that uh, certainly Lisbon, uh, the Algarve too, and up in the north, um, they've transformed themselves uh, and really done incredible stuff with fixing up the you know fixing up their. These cities.
0: Tony, you're worrying me now, am talking like that? Maybe you're going to be going off there, uh, leaving, abandoning Cape Town. for <laughs> <No, laughs> no, hey, you've got a lot of work to do at Century City store.
4: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am a true South African that I'm a, a partisan. I'm, 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 I love this place and I will always, you know, this is where I live. Mm. But this is part of looking at other opportunities uh, with, with very uh, powerful parts power that uh, needed our expertise. And it was just an opportunity that I couldn't refuse.
0: Just to close off with, how big is the project, this project? 90 million euros. 90 million euros. So it's yeah. just about done. Uh, well, as, as you've said, 120 of 150 or so. Are you looking for other projects now of a similar size or will you go bigger, given that, that you have handled much bigger than this in Cape Town? No,
4: I think, uh, you know, you, you've got to look at uh, the market in Lisbon we have. Our partners... Um, GMG uh, uh, Capital themselves have acquired two great sites in an area called My Villa, which is really, uh, if you can compare it in Cape Town, it's like the Woodstock of Cape Town. It's just right on the inner city where we're going to be looking to re-energize and renew um, it's through the mixed use that I alluded to earlier on. And uh, we're very excited about that. It's just going to pers- uh a, a, a normal licences at the moment. And we'll bring, be bringing that to the market in February, March next year. So, um, you yeah, know, each one is done on its merits. It's got to stack up. It's got to work. And, uh, yeah, we'll take it one step at a time, slowly, slowly, and uh, see how we go.
0: So a little bit like what you did in Woodstock with the developments it, there. Exactly. To- mm.
4: Exactly the same. Identical.
0: So, learning from the CAPE experience, going off to another part of the world, applying the, I suppose it's not quite a cookie cutter, but but that, you know, more or less how it should be working and then just adapting to local conditions.
4: Correct. And, And, you know, the funny thing is that there's so much, as I said, there's so much similarity between the way we operate and the way... Uh, they operate in 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 Portugal. Um, you know that's right throughout all the professionals. Uh, you know through the architecture, through the engineering. The one thing they do is that the units in Lisbon are much bigger than they are in in South Africa um, in size, and the quality of the specification is of a, a of a much higher standard. So you know, Ogi as an example, timber Ogi flooring is a standard. Um, and uh, and therefore, the value uh, for purchases buying from us um, is, is, is is superb. And, you know, when you talk about um, inflation, there's no inflation in Portugal, but there is a very important factor on the supply-demand situation. So, there is lack of supply, so your demand is great, and that is for prices are rising Um, Not at a dramatic, you know, at five percent per annum, and there's going to be growth from people remembering we're selling off the plan and delivering uh, in 20 months' time or 24 months' time, depending on uh, you know on 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 where we are at that particular time. So um, you are going to get capital appreciation in in Portugal, and and that's also exciting for our investors who are coming along uh, and and buying this as an investment aside from the golden visa, which in itself has got its own dynamics.
0: Johnny Robbie, an iconic name in property in South Africa and certainly in Cape Town, who has expanded into the global arena for the first time. And wow, what a project that is. 120 of 150 units. We only spoke in April when they uh, launched it. And it, it really is going gangbusters. And nice to see not just South Africans who are buying there. Also in the program today, we spoke with Orbvest, another very exciting South African company. And, of course, Magnus Haystick, a financial advisor of note, who has been on the money in recommending that South Africans diversify their assets into the international arena. He quite likes property, but he's looking at Mauritius as an option. Well, this has been Personal Finance Live. I hope you've enjoyed it with us today. If you joined towards the end of the show and you want to hear the whole thing, uh, we do rebroadcast this program at 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and then uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Thanks for being with us. We look forward to being in your company again tomorrow at lunchtime when we have rational radio that's our news show that uh, i look after uh, between noon and one o'clock at the same place uh, same place same time see you then cheers